Hi, everyone. I'm Sandra Ingerman, and welcome to the Shaman's Cave. And I'm Renee Barabo, and I hope your New Year's is off to an amazing start. Yeah, so um, we, we've been um, trying to really help you start this new year in a really good way. And we have another good topic that is really important for us to look at because, my God, it is so unbelievably big in the spiritual community. And it always has been. It always has been. But it's something, you know, this is the time for us to break behaviors that aren't working. And we live in a society that tends to teach us that giving is better than receiving. And In the spiritual community, we've taken that to the most exponential place that we possibly can. Um, I I actually, um, the other day, just to give you an example, but I could actually write a 2,000-page book on this topic. Um, (laughs) The other day, I told somebody that I couldn't do a radio interview because I wasn't feeling that well. And he said, I'm meeting with a circle tonight and we'll send you healing energy. And I said, please don't send me heal. Please keep healing energy to yourself. I don't care. It's already done. And this is what happens constantly in the spiritual community is I'm going to heal you whether you want to be healed or not. The hardest topic that I have to speak about in all of my workshops, because I teach people how to do remote healing work, is that you must, must have permission of the client beforehand. And those discussions of my client, my students fighting with me for 40 years goes on for about an hour before I have to say, it's done. You must have permission. People feel that they want to heal people whether they want it or not, because it's for their best good. <laughs> you know, the, the, the one that, well, I asked your higher self, and I'm thinking like, hello, you know, my higher self's not, you know, sweeping the kitchen floor, you know, that one always was one that really bothered me. I, I asked your higher self. Well, I actually talk about this in my workshops. I'm brutal. I actually, <laughs> if you say the words higher self gave permission to me or in this workshop, that is exactly like taking your nails and running them across the blackboard. That's what it does to me. And I will go after you. I, I'm known to be a real loving mother in my workshops. I give and give and give. This is why I, um, we're talking about this topic, because I'm looking at it in me right now. And um What I say to people is if the higher self wants the healing so much, get the person to open up their mouth and ask for healing. And, and, you know, and I and and one of the things with with Sandra and I, and I think the reason that we've like been so 
good in our communication is like, you know, when I we we talk and so we know what's going on in each other's lives, and yet we don't like barge over, hey, let me just send you over some, I, I think I know what's better for you than you know what's for you. And we wait until we're invited in to say like, would you like some help with that? And leave space for somebody to say no. You know, I, w- I was involved with people being in the addiction field for a long time who my idea of them getting help had everything to do with me and nothing about them because there was a place in me that there was a judgment that I knew what was best for that person's soul and that living the sober life was a better way to live. Like there's judgments in the, they get really, it gets really confusing, but I don't know what's better for somebody else. I don't know what they signed up for, what the lessons that they have to overcome in this particular lifetime. And we used to call it in AA, denying people the dignity of their bottom. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, my big lesson, it was such a big lesson for me came um, back in the late 1980s. My best friend um, uh, got AIDS and I was always trying to do healings for him. And one day he said to me, I didn't do any because he didn't give me permission. And one day he said to me, he said, Sandy, this is my illness. I don't want healing. This is my illness. Um, This is my time. I don't want anybody coming in and healing me. This was my best friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I adored this man. And I, with at that point, I was young. It was only, in, you know, so I thought, I can heal you, you know. I, I thought, you know, um, I didn't have all the years I have now to understand how complex illness can be. But he wanted, he wanted his journey. And we're all on a journey. Everything that happens to us is our journey. It's part of our journey. And part of our journey is getting help. And part of our journey is working through things. And how do we get others to just hold space for us and back off without actually coming into our field of energy, but lighting a candle for us and just holding space for us. I just have to piggyback on that. Um, Your friend with the AIDS, I I do a conference called the Finding Freedom Symposium, which is in a couple weeks from now. And there's a new group started for uh, longtime survivors of AIDS. And this is going to really bend your mind a little bit. But there's a lot of people who have survived AIDS for like, you know, a couple of decades now or and who are having guilt. They're having shame. They're having loneliness like, you know, that they that they survived this. And, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a real twist around on that whole idea of um, of how how much. Now we're going to feel bad that we didn't die too. And it was just so intertwined with the toxic shame people had around being gay or that around their sexual abuse and how that they didn't think they deserved healing. Now that's a different story. If somebody doesn't think they deserve the healing, you know, then there's things like motivational interviewing and some other things that you, 
I find you can get people to maybe accept it. I get into this all the time with my really close friend is that like, whenever there's something wrong with me, you can't hold my, you can't hold my discomfort. You're always trying to fix it. Right. Yeah. And that's back to me again. I'm trying to uh, like, I want, I don't want you to be sad. I want to fix it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My, my mother, when she was um, 98, said something really interesting to me because I moved my parents you know, I share this a lot. I took care of my parents um, the last years of their life. And I just, I knew how much they suffered in their life. I knew how much they suffered. And I wanted their last days to be, I I wanted them to feel a thousand percent safe, like, and, and that they didn't have to fight to, for their dignity or fight because somebody was abusing them and in the assisted living place that um, I had them in. So I went every single day and I hired people to make sure because you know the stories of what happens to people and I didn't want that for my parents. And one day, day you know, I coddled my parents like um, an over- you know, a mother who's just mothering way too much. Somebody needs to get the mother separated from their kids. And my mother said to me, you know, we really appreciate everything that you're doing for us. But, you know, it it would have been good for us to make some mistakes and it would have been good for us to have to stand up for ourselves a little bit. <laughs> my 98 mother having to tell this to me <laughs> I do that now like in retrospect you know in the company I work for it's like that I'm the like like I'm the wise elder here and so you know watching people like trip over themselves or make mistakes and stuff is I'm really I'm ho- I'm holding that stand okay well if you want to order all of these fountains that people are going to have to hand fill what do I care? Like, is it going to change my day if that's your learning experience? So again, it's that goes back to that, you know, denying people the the dignity of learning when we, you know, think like a mother trying to keep their kids from heartbreak. You can't, you just can't, you can't, you can't keep people from the lessons that they're, they're choosing to learn. And I see a lot like people giving and giving and giving, but what, they don't necessarily see is that they're giving to get. And I always can tell when I'm giving to get, when I get a big fat resentment about writing that check or, you know, donating to that cause or going to pick up somebody, you know, that I didn't want, want to do. I don't really have that as much anymore, but I see it all the time. Like, I'm giving to get a certain outcome in the world or like if I put my efforts here, then I should get this. And that kind of giving will suck you dry faster than, you know, a straw and a can of soda. Absolutely. I think every healer, every teacher out there um, can echo what the brilliance that Renee just shared. Um, with us and the bottom line is is um, we're always projecting our needs onto other people and and so we see them 
as what we really need. So we start giving it to them and maybe their lesson is different. And I found in my own journey of healing that I got thrown off of my path so many times, so many times because people came in to help. And what happened to me was I lost my own spiritual guidance. There were so many people talking to me about what I should do that I couldn't hear my own body. And when I finally asked people to stop communicating with me, period, all of a sudden I could hear my body saying, I want this, I want that, would you please stop doing this, would you please add a little bit more of that, but I was, people were giving help, and I, I, I didn't want it, so for me, I'm sure Renee has things that she does, for me, what I've been trying to teach ever since I started teaching shamanism is that one of the most healing things that you can do for another individual is to just hold space. Mm -hmm. And that means being silent in your house, just saying a prayer um, that I love this person and I wish them the best. And I'm holding space for them during their healing process and lighting a candle. We don't understand the power of that, that that actually has more power than somebody forcing a healing method on somebody who doesn't want it. And um, what I found, the challenge of that is uh, I found I can't teach people how to hold space. Mm -hmm. So um, this is something I'm going to ask you to reflect on in the new year of how you can be better space holders for yourself, for your friends, for your family, for your community, and for the world at large. Mm, that's a good one. And, and I could add to that to say that it's really, really uncomfortable when you sit there, you know, and it gets a little easier as you practice more, but it's really, think about if you've lost somebody that they, you know, that they died that was really close to you and how uncomfortable that is. And you can't change it. You can't do anything. And you're just in that grief space. Well, I find holding space when somebody else is suffering to be that same kind of like, I can't fix this. I can't do anything about it. And usually when, when I get like that, what I usually do is, or what I have done in the past, because we did this great meditation for the New Year's that we cleared out the future so we don't have to do that anymore. So go back and listen to it if you haven't. Oh, yeah, and subscribe to us if you're here. But the, what, what, I, what I do is, is like I can just stay there in my own discomfort and look at why am I so uncomfortable for this other person and when I do that, then it shifts to me where I start to have a little more compassion for the experience that they're having. And when I can go to the place of compassion for the experience they're having, I come from a place of true humility. And then I can, um, then I can be really present when somebody is ready to share or they are ready to move from that place because 
that other place is really, for me, really uncomfortable to sit in, especially as a healer who's healed so much in my own life so that I know it's possible. You know, you because you know that. You know that it's possible to shift. And yet some people don't want to. Yeah. And and one of the things the spirit said to me again back in the 1980s, my biggest lessons, of course, came when I first started um, teaching because I was starting out. And, um, you know, the spirit said to me uh, about holding space, but they also shared with me that everybody has the right to make a choice in their life. Everybody has a right to make a choice. And I have no right to interfere with other people's choices because of my my own beliefs and my own feeling. And that's really important for us. That's another thing for us to learn how to hold, um, that everybody has the right to make choices for themselves if they're not hurting somebody else. And this is their life journey. Let them have their life journey. And if they're making a mistake, that mistake is part of their life's journey. And it's actually part of the gift of their life's journey. <laughs> That's true. And for me, I've had to look for um, for the result of like when I'm not doing that. Like if I can't fix something, then I might start a fight. So what do you do if you can't fix something? Like the next thing you know, you're like throwing in the, you know, the kitchen sink into why that they, how they're not being fixed, how it's hurt you and blah, 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 blah. And don't they know that if they die, you're going to be alone and you're going to have to figure out how to pay the bills. See it all when there's the fight and when there's the reasoning and the justification, it always comes back to, it would make my life so much more comfortable if you would only heal. And I call that another other. If you would do that, I'd be okay. You know, and I, I lived like that for a long, long time because, but then I learned that the, that I had to turn that arrow back on myself and see that I could be okay no matter what you do. Yeah, and, and I think what Renee is saying is really important to us because um, what happens is, is that if we don't turn that arrow back on ourselves and start looking, the universe brings in a lesson for us to get it so that we get it ourselves. So like, well, I didn't listen to Sandra and Renee and I didn't listen to the other 10 people who told me the same thing. And then all of a sudden the universe takes you down to your knees and wears you down to a nub. And it's, oh, that's what they were talking about. So we always have to decide how much pain and suffering we need before we change our behaviors. Because unfortunately, in human consciousness, in the years that we're living in, it's pain and suffering that gets us to change. We don't change when things are going well. Um, Why would you? It's just not part of human behavior. <laughs> And in our next show, we're going to really talk about, so you did, you did what you wanted, you got for yourself, and then you kind of created some contract around it. And just so you can think about it for a minute. So next week, when we come to that show about contracts, and we're going to do some removal around it, 
one time I thought that I was the, and this, I was really young too, Sandra. So <laughs> I thought that I was the better partner for somebody, right? So I did a little candle magic. I lit my candle, you know, I went and tossed it in the river and boom, it hit me in the, it hit me in the face so fast. And I, I got a glimpse of, okay, you want to bring this person in your life? This is what it's going to look like. You know, everyone had to sell their houses. <laughs> it was like, you know, it was, it was a, a really kind of a tragic contract. And so sometimes if we can't, we have to, we have to put the flashlight onto ourselves really good in order to see why it is that you even want to help somebody. Now, if they're coming, it's a contract, they're going to, you know, give you an INE exchange, albeit you're there to, to be of total service to those people. But if they don't ask, don't do it. Yeah, and that's really the bottom line. So, you know, people get a little bit confused, especially when they start out. Um, how do you ask? You know, what are ways that you can ask that don't sound too weird? And, you know, you could do things like saying, um, wow, I, I see, you know, I hear what you're saying. Is it okay if I keep you in my prayers? Um, I took a workshop. I happened to be studying a particular system where I can send you some nice loving energy that might help with your situation. Are you open to receive something like that? What you want to know is that the person wants help. You don't have to go through, this is what I'm going to do. This is every step of what I'm going to do. Basically, you just want to know if the person wants help. And in shamanism, we can access that information from a person who's unconscious or uh, in a coma or a very young child who can't speak or somebody in a mental institution who doesn't have um, enough of um, uh, an ego to be able to say, I need some help. We do a journey in the middle world and we talk to their spirit. I would go in the middle world and introduce myself. So I did, I've done this with many young children. I've actually done this so many times with young children in comas. I come in and I say, my name is Sandra. And it looks like that you need a little bit of help. Would you like some help from me? And I can't tell you how many children I brought back out of comas. I just had to introduce myself and let them know that I was a safe person and did they want some help. But, you know, I've definitely gone in on remote journeys and um, with a person in a coma who was, if she came back because of her accident, she was going to come back paralyzed she said to me, please give me time to think about this because there are consequences if you do this healing work for me. So that's what you have to understand. There are consequences every time you do healing work for another person. And did they know that they were part of your um, of what you were doing and that mm -hmm. they're going to have consequences because of it? <laughs> yeah, and I've been in there in situations where I've been told no. 
And and you can't like second guess that. No, you have to, oh, well, no, let me talk to another spirit. No, the answer was no. And the Swami that I, I worked with in my life, he'd say that every time you do a healing on somebody, you know, it's a piece of their karma you're invited, you're, you're, you're actually engaging a piece of their karma. And so you really want to be mindful of that. Um, in, in, in all of that. And, and it's, it's a big responsibility to be a healer and to invoke that work. And, and the good news about healing is just like they always say that, you know, God doesn't give you any more than a day than you can handle. You don't, they don't put you in healing situations that are out of your realm either. You just might not, you just might have to grow into it a little bit, but I've always found that there was times that I did healings that I didn't understand what I was doing until 10 years later, but I wouldn't have been there if it hadn't been time and I wasn't told to be there. So you just have to really be really discerning and respectful and know that, you know, that, that is you too. That is, that is, that is an aspect of yourself you are coming into contact with. Yeah. And, and as Renee was saying, um, there's right timing for everything. There's right timing for everything. So we do have a show coming up on um, sacred contracts. And um, we're excited because as we begin this new year, um, we did the ceremony to let go. And hopefully you continued it because lifetimes um, <laughs> don't get healed in a, in a five or ten minute ceremony. Um, and this, this show, I cannot tell you how important it is right now. And I can tell you that Renee and I will be returning to this topic because it's a really big one right now for a lot of people who are caretaking others and who are really getting into trouble, um, doing it. And, um, and sacred contracts. How do we break those sacred contracts? So if you see the theme, we're trying to help you with the new transformation that we're going through, getting a new start to your life. So please subscribe to The Shaman's Cave. Uh, we love doing the show together. And we, we love teaching. Renee and I were born to be teachers. That's part of our sacred contract. Yeah, so that's what I don't want to break. So let's stay tuned and join us next week. And go over to shamanstv.com and sign up for our mailing list. And you'll never miss the show because it'll be in your inbox weekly. So thank you. And we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.